Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Dream Stream. I am your host, Yiska Cook, and I'm going to start this podcast with a little follow up from the last podcast, which was episode 10. And uh, hopefully, you listened to it and enjoyed it. I was speaking with my friend Michelle, and it was her waking dream um, of an ayahuasca ceremony that she did with her kids. So um, she wanted me to mention a couple things. So she wanted to mention that the necklace she used to wear with all the religious symbols on it, the Ankh and the cross and the Om sign and all of it, she said it just got too heavy for her neck. Having, you know, wearing all of that. So she wanted me to share that. And the other thing is she has a joke. So I was saying, yes, last pod, that she is one half of one of the most wonderful couples that I know. And she said, well, thanks. If it wasn't for my husband, <laughs> that was Michelle's joke. I told her I'd share it with our listeners. Okay. So now I would like to introduce our guest today. It is a woman named Wanda Birch, and she is a dreamer and an author and a retired historian and uh, author of a book called She Who Dreams and uh, a journey into healing through dream work. So welcome, Wanda. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I love your book. I love this. I don't know what happened because I bought it so many years ago, but I don't remember reading it cover to cover. It may have been I had many <laughs> books going at that time, and so I just didn't. But So I read it, and oh, I'm so inspired by it. So could you please uh, like give us a synopsis of the book? Um, the book was published in 2003, but the events of the book began in 1990 when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I, I guess you could say they began before that because I began having dreams that were troubling and I was keeping a journal. I had met Robert Moss and we had been talking about dreams and, and a lot of our conversations had centered on just personal dreams and dreams of the Iroquois. I worked at Johnson Hall at that time, which was um, a house museum owned by Sir William Johnson, who was superintendent of Indian Affairs for Six Nations. Oh, oh, so okay. Robert was interested in the Haudenosaunee, the, the sure. Iroquois nations sure. and their dreaming. So this eventually led us into talking about our dreams. Yes. And this was before Robert had begun to host his own workshop. So we would sit in the backyard and we would talk about our dreams and he began to develop his own techniques for working with dreams. In the process of that, he encouraged me to keep a journal and I had kept um, dreams, just individual dreams written down here and there, but I'd never kept a journal. So two years before the diagnosis, I began keeping a journal, began having these troubling dreams and I began finally to understand some of what they were saying to me. Mm. And I had signed up for an Earthwatch expedition. That was an organization that led volunteers and professionals 
into this country and to other countries to study archaeology, to study wildlife, oceanography, but, but all sorts of science-based projects. And I joined one. There was an archaeology project in that was Africa. To take me to Asante Manso, Africa. That was and very Asante wonderful Manso to read about. Is traditionally the location of the creation story of the of the Asante people. So I was excited about that. When I really began to understand the dreams without really investigating them in the way that we do now, I was dreaming very specifically that I was packing for two journeys. Mm. One journey was to Africa. Another journey was a more important journey for my life and my soul. Yes. And I began to um, dream serious dreams that something was wrong. And I still wasn't quite sure what. I began to have pains in my left breast. And just before leaving for Africa, I had um, gone to a gynecology appointment and she chattered on and on about too much caffeine and too much of this and too much of that. Mm -hmm. And we scheduled a mammogram and there was nothing on the mammogram. So I really irritated her. I said, I, I, want, I want more information. Something yes. is going on, and I'm dreaming something. And this did not impress her. Meanwhile, I left for Africa. And while in Africa, I had my first, what Robert called, a big dream. Mm. And it was a dream of my dad, who had died um, a year before. And he shows up in my dream in Africa, and he's, He's almost shouting at me. He's pulling a doctor hmm. into the room. The doctor's from the Mayo Clinic. And he's huh. shouting at me, you have breast cancer. Do something about it now. Oh, my goodness, and Dad. <laughs> really, you know, you really really couldn't get much more clear than no. that. I didn't, I didn't need a lot of interpretation for that dream. Yes. Um, so I guess I rather humorously sat up in bed and, and talked to my dad and I said, I, I can't right now. I have two more weeks to be here. And yeah, I'm in Africa, I'll do Dad. When I get home. So that's my we next had this journey. conversation. And then there was an entire series um, of, of incidents with the people of Africa, which began to lead it toward an intense healing process that was mm. available to me. And mm. I understood or began to understand that there was a reason I went to Africa that was beyond just working with the archaeologists and working in a country that fascinated me. Yes. Um, at one point, I was, I was sitting with one of the, the archaeologists, and we had begun work. They had allowed me to come with them on, a, on the work for a special project that they had uncovered and macheted their way through the dense undergrowth, and it was called by us the place of pots. I never fully understood what they called it, but I understood why it was there, and so did the archaeologists. It was a place where diseases were killed, were destroyed, and the pots were killed. And by killed, it meant that you placed the disease in the pot, and you stabbed the pot. And you placed a hole in the bottom of it, and then you buried it. And oh. this would be done with um, their priest and their shamans. And it, it was a large circle. So the archaeologists were interested in how far in depth this circle went and how long 
this practice had been in use. Yes. So they were going down into the layers of the soil. And I was sitting in the corner of this project, and I had my brush, and I was working with what I thought was a pot. It turned out to be three nested pots, and the pots were not killed. It was the only set of pots in this vast circle of thousands and thousands of pots that spread across the landscape and then went down for many, many feet into the earth. And I understood on some level that these were, that this was, I understand all sorts of levels that this was not a coincidence. These were my pots. Yes. And that this journey to Africa was part of my healing journal journey. And what a metaphor. Young man and a Sante man standing behind me. And he was saying very softly to me, he was reciting part of their creation story Hmm. about the gods bringing the pots from the sky and from the earth. Oh. And and he was saying to me very softly in his own words that these belong to me. And mm. I had learned words in the Twi language, the Asante language, and I was able to say back to him the Dase, which was a heartfelt thank you, a special thank you yes. to him. Yes. And there were many more small and large um pieces of that journey that began to to fit together like a puzzle of the children and the people talking to me about dreams, yes. even when I didn't mention dreams, even when I didn't tell them that about my own dreams, but they knew. They, they recognized. Knew, um, they recognized from their hearts you. and their souls, and it was yes. an incredible journey. Oh, so I came back home, and I went to a doctor. And uh, for an ultrasound, and the ultrasound was kind of iffy, and they basically said, "Let's wait a year." And I said, "No, we're not waiting a year. Mm. This is this is dangerous. This is serious. I need to do something." So my really angry gynecologist asked <laughs> if I wanted a needle biopsy, and I said yes. Yes. And that was my entree into an incredible um, ex- excursion on this journey with doctors that believed me and I realized that that's not often the case but it was in this case yes I was sent to Dr. Barlin um and I I changed my doctor's names in the book because I didn't have their permission at the time and didn't think they would give me permission but they would have okay um I went to Dr. Barlin a surgeon he was the one who was to do, do the uh, needle biopsy. Yes. And I said to him, I've been dreaming this. And he didn't, he didn't even hesitate. He said, have you dreamed where it is? Oh, my goodness. And I said, yes. And he gave me a felt tip pen and he said, draw it on you. Draw it on your breast. Oh, my goodness. And I did. And I had a dream about um, a boat of dark debris that was hiding under a ledge. And I knew yes. exactly where the ledge was yes. on my breast. Yes. And so... He did the needle biopsy. That's where it met the most resistance and decided that we were going to do the larger biopsy. Yes. And um, I, after the larger biopsy, he followed me into the recovery room and he was shouting at me because he thought I was still under the anesthesia, which oh. I wasn't. I was coming awake. Right, right. And he said, can you hear me? And I said, yes. 
And he said, had it not been for your dreams, you would have been dead within a year. Oh, my goodness. Because it was buried deep under this ledge, the tumor was. It was also not massing like most tumors would have. It was sort of freeform and spreading. It was incredibly aggressive. And I had another dream in between the two biopsies. And in that dream, I had stood by a sink and there was water flowing. And I was holding... Um, a sort of, of foam breast, and I could see where this vial of dark liquid was. I shared that dream with him, too. So he also used that dream to determine exactly where the um, tumor was. Oh, but wow. the second part of that dream was that I was letting water flow through the vial under the flowing water, and, and it, was, it was taking all of the dark stuff out of the vial and down into the sink. And he gave me my first piece of incredible advice. He said, go home and do something about this dream. I didn't know what he was talking about. And I just sat there and stared at him. He said, you've been given a gift. Um, This is a dream for your healing. Do something about it. And I went home and I thought, okay, what do you do with a dream like this? Well, you do what you do with the meditation, I decided. And I did all sorts of things with it. I painted some of the dreams. I um, I wrote poems about them. Mm. I would pin sentences in my car with the, with positive messages about them. Um, I would write the dream on a piece of paper and I would tape it in my car so it became an active meditation. And yes, yes. I would see myself with this one over and over again, flushing the dark liquid yes. out of the vial and down the drain. Yes. And I, I uh, went through the process of chemotherapy, very aggressive chemotherapy. At one point, my um, oncologist said that he had never seen anyone who could ingest as much chemicals and poison oh, as I could goodness. and still come back with, with all of my cell count intact oh. and ready for the next one. And he never decreased the chemotherapy. But, he, however, he did not give me radiation because he felt huh. that the chemotherapy was enough. He was he was really pounding me with the yes. most aggressive drugs that, that were available at the time. Yes. And uh, I wasn't sure that the two of them were talking. It was years later when Dr. Jasky, who was my oncologist, yes. said to me that I was his poster child for survival because he really had not... Um, considered my life worth a tinker's dam to uh, him uh, beyond gee. five years. And it's oh been 30 years now. Oh, and, that's wonderful. <laughs> and so um, I told him, I said, did you know how much I was using dreams? Because he, he ultimately had endorsed my book, but I wasn't sure what he knew during the period before I wrote the book. And he got my folder out, and he opened it up, and there was a letter in the front from Dr. Barlin to him. Mm. And the letter said, basically, this woman dreams, and what she dreams is important. So listen to her. Anything she says, listen to her. She has the greatest sense of intuition I've ever met in anyone. Oh, and I, I felt really Pleased about that. I love about to the hear that from a, between the two of them. From a medical provider, and my, and, and my, you know, and my dreams in that period of time. Um, once I had the dreams of diagnosis, I didn't need those anymore. Right. So the dreams became healing dreams. Dream after dream yes. after dream. I call some of them 
my Wednesday night changed dreams because the Wednesday before every chemotherapy mm. treatment, I would receive a new dream. And it would be a new dream of something that I could use for healing. Oh, uh, there were dreams of cleansing body parts and putting bodies back yes, together. Yes. There were dreams of rebuilding cells. There were dreams yes. of rungs of ladders and pieces of bridges not being there. And then all of a sudden appearing because some guy was beside me yes. putting it all back together again. And making so all making of them the bridge longer. Dreams. And they came one after another and they seemed to come in groups. Yes. Um, there were dreams that showed me my body or showed me a body that I could use to see if everything was okay. And that body sort of danced on a table with all sorts of tools around wow. it. And they were, they were endless. They came dream after dream after yes. dream. And so they supported me through the entire process. Well, I, I've been, I, I don't know if you know, I have MS. Well, so Wanda and I have yes. have met at a Robert Moss uh, weekend, I believe, in Albany. Or did we meet at Gore Mountain? I'm not remembering. But anyway, so he's a longtime friend of Wanda's and one of my most auspicious dream teachers. And um, and I love that you have these wonderful dreams. And I'm also borrowing. So I have. I have MS and I have an issue that I use medical marijuana for my medicine and I mm -hmm. don't always remember my dreams, but I have been, I'm changing things around. I'm trying to do things differently. And, and I do have uh, a dream recently that I would love to talk to you about. Um, but before I talk about that, I wanted to say that your dream image of the healing pool of Bethesda, you know, with Elisha, Elijah the prophet's uh, mentee, Elisha. Do you know what I'm referring to? I'm I'm not clearly understanding what you what you just said. So I'm sorry. We're, this is our this is my first time trying trying to do this podcast on the phone. So we have a little bit of of technical difficulty. So I'm saying, okay. Wanda, I'm saying that you share a vision of the healing pool. I think you call it the healing mm -hmm. pool of Bethesda. And, um, and then you, later in the book, you encourage people to take that on as their own healing image, um, which I had done before you even re, re, you know, uh, offered that. But so I'm working with, with a meditation of walking down to the healing pool. And in my meditation, I'm holding your hand on my right side and I'm holding Robert's hand on my left side. Aww. And first we, like we converse. We first converse. Seems like we always have a lot to say at the top of the at the top of the path. And then when I had lived in Israel, I was in the town of Sfat and there was uh old stone mikvahs that um that were there and the men had decided that the women shouldn't use these old mikvahs that the mystics had built so i was kind of bummed about that but one night they were having a big uh farbringen they call it a party to honor uh um Menachem Mendel Schneerson the Lubavitcher rabbi i think it was his you know anniversary of his death and so my friend Moshe Chaim and I walked down to the mikvah, and I took a mikvah 
when all the guys were drinking and partying. <laughs> so that was uh, <laughs> so that's how I start this vision. We are holding hands. You are on my right. Robert's on my left. And we walk down that path by by that mikvah. But we actually don't stop there. We keep going. And then we arrive at this sort of a, a dusty yard. It's not a yard. It's more of a an area, a dusty area, a marketplace, whatever, with a big pond. And, um, and Robert's drum is there. So he picks up his drum and he walks aside and he starts drumming. And um, I'm using also the image of Alicia that you had offered for healing. And when I was younger, I was studying Judaism with a teacher of mine who, um, who gave me the image of Elijah the prophet takes off his cloak and puts it around the shoulders of Elisha the prophet. And thereby, you know, he ordains him. So, so Elisha is there in, in this image and Robert is drumming. And then you are, are brushing all the tangles out of my hair. So you're, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something we do before a mikvah um, is make sure you don't have any jewelry on and you brush out all the tangles and, um, and I hand you my earrings and my rings and, um, and you help me to take off my linen dress. And meanwhile, Alicia is disturbing the waters, right? Is that the image you gave? Disturbing the waters. Troubling. Yeah. Troubling the waters. Right? So then I'm also thinking. What's that? Yes. Yes. So, and then I go in and, I, and I'm, I'm using this regularly, all day, all day. And I, cause I'm so grateful. So thank you for that image. So other, that was, yeah, that was one of the most important images for me. And I actually wondered after that dream, if I could have stopped treatments at that point, oh. that maybe that was an image of full healing. Oh. And I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but it was an incredible image in my dream. So incredible. So wonderful. And, um, and then, uh, so I thank you. I use your image, your healing image. You're so inspiring to me, Wanda. You're, you're a wonderful dreamer, insightful woman, really great author. I very much enjoyed your writing in this book. And um, so, oh, I also wanted to say, oh, a couple, a couple more things before I share my dream. So um, you speak about a wooden door. Right, a little wooden door. That's sort of the door of death yes. between life and yes. death. So yes, it was a wooden door, and it was at the end of a dance hall or or a hallway. It started as a hallway, and it began to expand into a sort of dance hall, even though it was still a hallway. And I began having it in my twenties, and I understood that there was it was a disturbing dream. I understood that yes. if I made it all the way down to this hall, dancing toward this door, if I went through that door, that the door was the division between life and um, our, our physical life yes. and the other side, yes, and that I would die. And I didn't know what to do with the dream. And I did write it down, and it began to change. And even more disturbing, as the years went on, 
as I graduated from high school, went into college, and people that I knew died in Vietnam, Mm. some of those people began to show up in the doorways Mm. um, leading to this hallway. So I was dancing down a hallway of of death. I was, all of the people in this dream, except for me, were dead. Oh, my goodness. And then as I approached my, the time that I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I was 42 years old, and I was dressed like a bride in one of the final versions of this dream. And I was dancing down the hallway, and there was a newspaper on the floor. And I picked it up, and I understood that it was my obituary. Oh, my goodness. And I was 43 years old in that obituary. How old were you when so you now dreamed I was, this? And I was 42 when I was okay. diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, okay. So I was terrified. Yes. And when the chemotherapy ended, all these wonderful dreams of healing, um, I was given this clean bill of health. And then I had a terrifying dream in which I saw a messenger. And the messenger pretty much said, you're still going to die. Okay. And my 43rd birthday was approaching. And I I still had hanging over me this dance hall dream. And I knew I had yes. to do something about it. And, and Robert and I had spent a lot of time together at that point talking about my dreams. And, and, and he was using lightning dreams technique yes. and, and teaching it to people yes. and I was using it with my dreams and beginning to understand how I could not only work with a dream but I could change a dream yes and I knew to change this dream I had to set an intention and the intention I set for this one was that I needed to talk to the messenger the okay. the, the source of the message I, I needed to talk to the person sending this message yes. not just this little dream that was showing up Okay. And night after night, I demanded to see the source of this dream. And then I had probably one of the most incredible dreams of my life. I saw myself, felt myself. It was like a vision. I I felt my body moving up the side of the mountain. And I was at the feet of this incredible being of light. And I was begging for my life. And I understood in that dream that I had signed a contract at some point yes. and I was supposed to be leaving, but I, I, I was trying to renegotiate the contract. Yes. I talked about having a child and I needed to know what happened to him and he needed help and he needed me. Yes. Um, I had a family and so I'm begging for my life. I had a funny sense that the being listening to me was slightly amused with uh. all of this display. <laughs> of emotion, but I also was given a new contract. Yes. And when I woke up, I didn't know what the term, I knew the terms of the contract were that I needed to give back, but I didn't know how old I would be when my life would end. Yes. And I didn't need to at that point. I realized that I had renegotiated my original contract and that I had time. And here I am. Wow, <laughs> I love now. that. I love that. <laughs> Wonderful. So um, I had a dream right after my mom had passed away that uh, an angel came to me in the dream and said, ask me anything and I will answer. And my question uh-huh. was, you know, was kind of like, can I see my mom? Can I be with my mommy, who I love so much? So I was 25 when she died. She was 50 only 50, of breast oh. cancer, Wanda, of breast cancer. And um, 
And so I was taken, they told me, and I was instructed to go to the golden door and linger. That's what I was told. At last to the golden door and linger. It's like a line from a poem I wrote from that dream. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so reading about your wooden door, I was like, oh, I know that door. <laughs> I know that door. And um, now this is interesting, too, because like I was saying, my dream life hasn't been so rich right now, unfortunately. And um, so I remember different uh, just little fragments, but I remember I dreamed recently about my hairbrush. And, and really, that just brought me right back to this vision of the healing pools of Bethesda with you brushing the tangles out of my hair. So that was, I felt really good about that coming again to, um, you know, give me a little nudge towards healing. And, um, and so the other dreams. Did, did you, yeah. Did you go, did you go and linger at the door? Did you I I did. With- I did. I went and lingered. I don't remember what conversation we had. But I did go and okay. linger there. Yeah, it was just knowing that I had access to her is, I think, what I needed. Yeah. I had the reassurance that, you know, she was still very much available to me. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, that's, and that's a, that's a wonderful gift that you can use yes. whenever you need to. Yes. Yes. Such a gift. I think I start to forget, you know, it's been, what, 23, 24 years now and I I miss my mommy so much. So anyway, um so I had a dream last night I think it was. So I have a I have a mobility scooter and it's a uh, electric. So I I charge it and then I can ride around in it. And um I also have a stair chair in my house that can like ride me down to where my sound studio is. So my stair chair has two remote controls. So we keep one remote downstairs and one upstairs to bring it wherever it needs to go. And But of course, the scooter does not run that way. You drive it. So I had a dream that I was driving my scooter around and I was with my little boy, Lev, and he's nine years old. And I was in some kind of market square. Um, we were just going, you know, one one uh, storefront to the next. And then suddenly my scooter started being driven by someone. And I, I said to Lev, like, honey, watch out, watch your feet. I don't want to run over your feet. I'm not driving this. And I realized I was being driven. And that was all quite a mystery. I was there with Lev. I don't know. And I want to explore that. But then the dream progresses. <laughs> and later I get to uh, like a, like a, like a tool bench. We have a tool bench in our garage. It reminded me of that. And Levy was there, my son, driving the scooter. So that teaches me a whole lot about how I don't want to be parenting right now. I don't want him to be driving me. But before he was, it was him driving me. I felt like I was just being driven by some universal force. Mm-hmm. That, that was a dream. What, and what what was your name for the dream? Um, scooter dream. Scooter dream. Yeah. Um, and what were your feelings when you first woke up? I was I was really thrilled to have a dream because my with the fog that I feel this uh, medical cannabis because 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, so I say, may I, I always like pose before I go to sleep at night, may I remember a dream? May I retain the memory of the dream and then record the memory of the dream before I forget it? You know, that's always like my quest. And so all those things happened and I was feeling so happy. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and what, um, in your waking reality, how many, what, what do you recognize from your waking reality? You have, you have both of these, you have the scooter. Yes. Well, the, the stair chair, uh, has been beeping and it was broken. Nobody could figure it out. And then, uh, my son Phelan just graduated from Marist college on Saturday. And so my sister's in town, was in town, my, my father and stepmother. And, um, and of course my, my sister is very, uh, efficient <laughs> and, and really pays attention. She fixed the scooter. There was just an unplugged something that she was able to fix. And, um, and then my, so my little scooter, oh, that's not the scooter. That's the stair chair. So she fixed the stair chair. So then on my scooter, mm -hmm. I rode it a lot this past weekend because we went to Marist uh, to first to an honor ceremony and then to the graduation. And, and they don't call it like an all-terrain vehicle, but my life is all-terrain here in New Paltz. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I want to see yeah. my kid play a sport, I'm going to have to be off road and that's fine. So, so I, but I've been, so I rode my scooter around a lot this weekend and, uh, so that's my association so, with that. So you so you felt that some of this dream was already beginning to play out as the weekend progressed. Yes, yes, it's true. Right. Um, you you had some, you had some additional questions about being driven and the driver. Yes. Um, what what do you want to know about those? So I want to know. I mean, I didn't really like when that shift happens because then I see it's my son driving me and then I can think of all the different ways he tries to manipulate to get more screen time or something. I mean, he's a great kid and he's a good boy, but I didn't want him to be driving my scooter. But um, in the beginning, he was right beside me. So it wasn't him driving my scooter. When my scooter started being remote control driven and it just felt like I don't know. I felt like there was some spiritual connection. Like I want to be guided in my life. I pray for guidance and I'm grateful when I feel that I get guidance. So it felt like maybe I was being guided. So if you went back into this dream with some, some of these questions, um, are, is there some place in this dream you feel you should, you could go? to find out if there's some tools inside this dream mm. to help you get not only the, the spiritual guidance that you need, but maybe some tools to help you um, in your mobility, your future oh, mobility, yeah. something that will, will help you oh. understand how you can make your own life um, uh, be become what you want it to yes. be in the situation that it's in. Um, is there any, you know, is it, would it be useful to go back into this dream with those questions and it look for these answers, be. maybe with a good friend, Yes, share it the would dream be. And, and go back in and, 
and both of you come up with, you know, uh, find some answers, some additional answers in this dream. Um, Spiritual guidance and physical guidance. Yes, Wanda, thank you. I'm going to do that. I see exactly where it is in this market square where the sunlight is like raying down and it's behind the buildings. And it seems like that is a place where some answers can be offered to me. So I would like to revisit this. Thank you for that. And um, okay, yeah, gee, how are your dreams so you, these days? So now that sounds like an action plan. <laughs> oh, okay, we're not done yet. We're not done. <laughs> so, action plan being like, how can I honor this dream? Yes, yes. Okay, let me think. It sounds like going to that place of sunlight is one piece of it. Yes, so dream reentry, and then, um. How can I honor this dream? I think I need to be more uh, more dedicated to doing all my physical therapy exercises. You know, I have all these yeah, mobility. That sounds, like mobility a, that sounds like a good action plan. You know, <laughs> I have all these mobility helpers, thankfully. So grateful. But um, I still, first and foremost, should be helping myself. So I think I can honor this dream also by helping myself doing my exercises. Huh. What are, What are you thinking? Wonderful. Yeah. No, I I think I I agree with you, and I love what you were saying about the sunshine. Does it? Does um? I'm I would assume um as you were talking that uh, sunlight and and that that kind of experience um, helps you with mobility and if, and with spiritual, mm. you know, with the spiritual mobility too, yes. spiritual and physical mobility. Yes. So that sounds like a good part of the action plan too. Is going it. to a place where there's lots of sunshine. And, I have and to be careful basking. with that. The heat and the humidity, most of all, are really hard on me. Uh, and I love it's the sun. Okay. I love the sun. I love the sun. But I need to move to San Diego <laughs> or somewhere. You know, I need okay. somewhere less humid. Okay. All I mean, right. I well, there. there. There's an interesting action plan. <laughs> There's my action plan. <laughs> my action plan. <laughs> How are your dreams these these nights, Wanda? What are you dreaming about these days? Um. Let's see. I had, uh, I think, um, I've, I've had a lot of dreams of a, of a friend who died recently. Uh, so those, those have been coming, you know, in communication between him and me. And, um, but I also had a dream of the place I used to work, which I thought was interesting. Um, Johnson hall and Johnson hall is an 18th century house museum. But in the dream, I, go back to visit Johnson Hall, except Johnson Hall is now an enormous castle. And there, instead of the, just the front door, there are doors um, in multiple places around the building. And I go in and all of the rooms have expanded and they're going out in all sorts of directions. And it's a beautiful castle and it's, um, and it's a very brief dream. That was basically the dream. I come out and I'm really impressed that, yes. that Johnson Hall has turned into this enormous castle. That's wonderful. And I woke up, you know, feeling really 
good yes. about visiting an old place where I worked and it, it turning into something pretty extraordinary. Yes. Wonderful. And if I may project, may I project on your dream? If this were my dream, I would also feel that since I am now retired, um, that still I'm getting expansive um, work done. I'm doing expansive work in my life. So I feel really so good, even though I'm retired. The place that gave me a high self-esteem now is showing me an expansiveness. (laughs) Yeah, yes, I think that's probably true. And I'm also... The person that who's now the site manager at Johnson Hall was someone who worked for me for many, many years. And I'm very pleased that he's there and he's doing, he's finishing all the projects that we never got to finish while I was there. So that's really important too. I think, so I think the, the, the expanding possibilities are not, are are my life definitely, but also the physical house, the, the museum yes, continues yes, yes. to thrive under him. So yes. so both of those things were Beautiful. felt like they were happening in this dream. So that was really great. And if I might quote you, Wanda Birch, from the book, because this is, I feel, oh, okay. very much I feel that I want people to see the value of dreaming. I want people to see that they're guided and they're given information and to rely, to track your dreams. So, and you wrote this incredible paragraph, and I think it also speaks to your expansion. Um, so it says, I needed to speak with people about their dreams, to bring dreams to them when needed, and to help them open the door to exploring and working with their own dreams. Some of these dreams could easily be called miracles, but they are miracles that are available to us all. I am alive because I dream. More important, my dreaming has led me to a life of sharing and exploring every day the dreams that call all of us every night to remember our soul's purpose and to walk with greater courage and passion on this good earth. So... I love that. <laughs> Wanda, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you thank so you. much. And um, I really appreciate you giving us, our listeners, this time. And I'd love to continue um, reaching out and talking with you if you're open to that. Because I'd love to do dream work oh, with absolutely. you further. Okay, wonderful. All right. So thank, thank you. you again. And thank you, listeners. Until we meet again.